Welcome to the Untold Tales Audio Anthologies. Written by Dr. Jeffrey A. Robinson and narrated by Melissa Del Toro Schaffner. The Way Station Billy Taggart ducked behind a man who had paused in front of the large canvas tent. Crouching low, he peeked past the people in front of him and studied the hawker who was shouting at a passing crowd. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all, come see the marvels of the tip-tree menagerie, for only a tuppence you can behold the most amazing collection of exotic animals and beasts in the world, bellowed the gaunt, red-haired man. Come and see the giant man-eating snake from the deepest jungles of Africa, and view the hideous lizard man from the cannibal tribes of South America. Come and look at marvelous monkey bear discovered by a hunting expedition on safari on the plains of the Kalahari, and behold the world's only living albino crocodile. Marvel at the ferocity of a man-killing tiger from India and witness the spectacle of the colorful singing parrots of Siam and the savages from the forbidden city of Timbuktu. For only two pennies, you can see these wonders of nature before the expedition leaves London for an extended tour of Europe. This could be your last chance to see the only surviving specimens of some of the world's most unusual creatures. Come, come and see them before the chance is gone. The pitchman continued to shout at passers-by from the tiny platform in front of the brightly colored tent. At one point, he turned his attention to several well-dressed men and ladies who had interrupted their evening stroll to listen to his spiel. As the red-haired huckster addressed a gentleman with a fancy top hat and cane, Billy dashed around the back of the crowd and darted through the tent flap. Once inside, he ducked behind the nearest exhibit and hid in the shadows. Holding his breath to quiet his racing heart, Billy waited to find out if anyone had seen him sneak into the tent. If he were caught, he'd be beaten and thrown back out onto the cold, damp street. He listened intently and heard the hawker continue his exaggerated sales pitch, but no one followed him inside the exhibit area. After a few moments, Billy relaxed and began to breathe again. He was safe. The evening shadows had concealed his entrance. None of the other carnival workers had seen him. Carefully, Billy rose and peeked out across the interior of the tent. There were only about a dozen cages set up inside. Four or five people slowly walked from one exhibit to the next, working their way to the exit at the other end of the tent. A young gentleman spoke softly as he provided some explanation of the menagerie to his female companion. The young lady listened attentively, as if believing the young man's stories. Several sparsely spaced lanterns barely lit the inside of the tent. Dirt and grass mixed with the little sawdust the carnies had thrown on the ground and combined with animal smells to form a thick, cloying odor. Billy almost sneezed from the smell of urine from the cage in front of him. The flickering light from the oil lamps made the creatures on display difficult to see. Looking into the nearest cage, Billy decided the inadequate lighting was intentional. 
a tiny crocodile huddled in the center of the cage, but Billy couldn't tell if it was asleep or dead. Pressing his face up against the bars, however, he could see the flecks of white paint already peeling off the small reptile's hide. Billy stifled a chuckle as he heard the young man across the tent say something to his lady companion about albinos being caused by excessive inbreeding in animal species. Albinos, indeed, thought Billy. These were caused by whitewash, not inbreeding. He laughed to himself, amazed at how stupid people were and the things they could believe. After passing a cage of noisy, brightly colored birds, an exhibit of three energetic little monkeys, and a pathetic scrawny tiger asleep in its cage, the couple finally exited the menagerie through an open flap on the far side of the tent. Billy glanced back at the entrance and verified that no one else had entered. Business for the evening was dropping off. The tiny carnival would be closing soon, he thought. Getting down to his own business, he carefully worked his way along the edge of the tent and searched for a place where he could sleep for the night. He stayed away from the two cages that contained men wearing paint and feathers. They almost certainly worked for the sideshow and were probably as real as the albino crocodile. Passing a cage containing a large mottled snake, Billy approached the last exhibit. It was actually a tiny wagon that housed a strange-looking furry animal. This must be the monkey bear he'd heard about outside. Staying up against the side of the tent, Billy inched closer and saw the beast was hardly larger than himself. He'd never seen anything like it before, not even in his aunt's picture books. It looked like a cross between a panda and a monkey, though he'd only seen either of those in the picture book. The creature had small ears and a flat face. Its legs were short and stubby, but it had an unusually large head with large, dark eyes. For a moment, he thought it might be a child in costume. But then it reached up, scratched its nose, and revealed a long, thin arm and a tiny hand with delicate fingers. No, it definitely wasn't a child. This exhibit was different from the others. While the street urchin examined the creature, the odd-looking bear slowly turned its head and looked directly at him. Billy stood deep in the shadows, but the animal's deep black eyes remained fixed on him. Billy didn't move and waited for the animal to look away, but the creature kept watching him. After a few long minutes, the animal blinked and then closed its eyes, as if it was going to sleep. It was several minutes before Billy moved. He knelt and crawled over to the cage. Finding an open space between some crates under the wagon, he curled up and tried to find a comfortable position. He tugged at his frayed and tattered jacket, but it was too small and wouldn't cover him. Finally, he just stuck his hands up under his armpits inside his jacket to keep them warm and tried to go to sleep. The smell of food from the vendors outside slowly became recognizable over the odors of the animals, and the thought of food made Billy's stomach burn. Gritting his teeth against the nagging hunger, he tried to remember when he'd last eaten. After a while, he drifted into a shallow, fitful sleep. Billy woke with a start and jerked Bolt upright, almost hitting his head on the bottom of the wagon. 
He looked around to find what had awakened him, but all he heard were the clip-clop sounds of horse hooves on the cobblestone streets outside from a nearby passing carriage. Even the birds had quieted down and were silent. He carefully crawled to the edge of the tent, lifted the canvas an inch or two, and peeked out. The street was dark and empty. The vending booths outside were bare, and all the wares were gone. The only visible lights were the stars overhead, and one of London's new gas lamps on a distant street corner. Queen Victoria was having them installed on all the main streets, but there were still very few of them around. The hawker was gone, along with his crowd of prospective customers. His little podium had been moved away from the busy sidewalk and now blocked the tent's entrance. Fog was slowly rolling in from the waterfront, and Billy decided it must be about three o'clock in the morning. Lowering the edge of the tent, Billy looked around the tent. The canvas flaps at the tent's two entrances were tied shut, and the cages with the men were empty. All of the animals were asleep. Only a single lantern had been left on. Billy's stomach grumbled, and he started to explore the interior for anywhere food might be stored. The animals and men in costume must eat something, he thought. Poking around, he found a crate near the sleeping cat's cage and opened it. Inside were small, dark biscuits. He took one and sniffed it. He tasted it with the tip of his tongue, but he couldn't tell what it was. It didn't seem too offensive. His stomach growled again, and Billy decided it was better than nothing at all. He took one biscuit in each hand and raised the first one to his mouth. No, said a firm voice behind him. Billy jumped and spun around, dropping both biscuits. He expected to find a carnival worker behind him and raised his hands to ward off the strike he knew would come, but no one was there. He slowly lowered his arms and looked around. The tent was empty. He checked and saw the tent flaps still securely tied shut. I must be imagining things, he thought. He reached down and picked up the fallen biscuits and started to take a bite. I said no, said the voice again. Billy jumped back again and clenched the biscuits in his fists. Someone's in here, he thought. Squinting, he slowly scanned the tent. When he got to the cage containing the strange-looking bear, he saw the creature staring at him. No one else was around. All the other creatures were asleep. Facing the furry beast, Billy laughed. He pointed at the creature and said, Don't tell me you said something. What I said was no, said the bear. Don't eat that food. It's drugged to keep the tiger docile. If you eat any of it, it'll knock you out. Billy's jaw dropped. He looked at the biscuits, opened his hands, and let them fall to the ground. He didn't know whether to scream or run. The strange little bear, however, simply leaned back against the rear of its cage and crossed its arms, still staring at him. Billy slowly walked toward the cage and stopped about a dozen feet from the bars. Did, he began, did you talk? The creature blinked and said, Yes, I did, but don't go around telling anyone. No one would believe you anyway, and you'd only get both of us in trouble. But, said Billy, you're, you're... Only a dumb animal, said the creature. That's what everyone thinks, 
and it's probably the only reason I haven't been vivisected so far. Billy blinked. Vivi-what? The creature sat up and leaned toward the bars. It opened its mouth to speak, but then it simply shook its head. Never mind, it said. It grasped the bars with its tiny hands and leaned towards Billy. Don't be afraid. I won't hurt you. Billy didn't move. What's your name? asked the creature. Uh, Billy. Billy Taggett, he replied. Whispering, the bear said, Say, Billy, would you like to do me a favor? If you do, I'll tell you where the real food's kept. Billy nodded mutely. Go check behind the snake cage over there, said the creature, pointing over by the entrance. There should be a toolbox near it. Go get the box and bring it here. Billy looked where the creature was pointing and slowly walked in that direction. Sure enough, there was a heavy box of tools on the ground behind the exhibit. He stooped and picked it up. He half dragged it back to the bear's cage. And when he stopped, the creature pressed itself up against the bars and gestured with one hand for Billy to come closer. It's okay, it said. I won't hurt you. I just need to get some of those tools. Billy hesitated. Really, the creature insisted. I promise I won't hurt you. I just need your help to get out of this cage. Billy pushed the toolkit closer to the creature's cage and stepped back. Billy? It said, sighing. You're going to have to help me. I can't reach the toolbox from here. Could you at least open it and hand me some of the tools? It sounded so reasonable that Billy obediently opened the box and took out a screwdriver. The creature reached through the bars and took the tool from Billy's hand. Thank you, Billy, it said. Then the bear inserted the screwdriver into the lock of the cage and began to wiggle it around. While it worked, it said, Can you see if there's a hammer, some wire, or any other small tools in there as well? Billy bent down and removed some smaller tools from the box. He straightened up and offered them to the creature. It stopped working on the lock for a second and took the other tools. Excellent, it said. These are perfect. Then it returned its attention to the lock mechanism on the cage door. Billy watched the creature silently tinker with the tools and began to wonder if he wasn't really sleeping and having a strange dream. Without looking up, the creature said, If you look over by the cage where the lizard man was earlier, you'll find a wooden box. That's where he keeps his lunch and his normal clothes. I can't promise you there'll be anything inside, but it's the best chance you've got if you're looking for food. The young boy started over toward the lizard man exhibit. Without looking up from its work, the creature said, If there's anything there you don't want, bring it over here and I'll take it. You wouldn't believe what they've been feeding me. It makes me want to gag. Billy went over and investigated the wooden box. Inside the container, under some rags, he found a cloth bag containing scraps from a previous meal. There were a few pieces of cooked meat, some stale rolls that felt more like rocks and a large chunk of cheese. There was even a small corked ceramic jar with some kind of drink in it. He eagerly took a bite of the cheese and brought the sack back to the monkey bear's cage. He dropped the sack to the ground and then sat down beside it. He anxiously took more mouthfuls of cheese and thought, I don't care if it's a dream. It tastes wonderful. There was a loud click, and the cage door swung open with a loud squeak. The creature dropped the tools, hopped to the ground, and crouched down beside the bag.
Digging through the sack, the creature pulled out one of the hard rolls and eagerly bit into it. Mumbling through a mouthful of food, it said, You have no idea how long I've been trying to get out of that cage. Taking another bite, it added, Or how long it's been since I had anything this good to eat. Billy nodded and reached over toward the sack. The creature looked up and handed Billy one of the pieces of cooked meat. Here, this is probably more to your liking than mine, it said. Billy took the meat, said, thanks, and took a bite. You're welcome, the strange-looking bear said. The meat was tough and dry. Billy struggled and managed to pull a mouthful off with his teeth. Savoring the grisly fare, he said, Do you have a name? Yes said the creature, standing erect. It thumped its chest and said, I am Tuktal. Billy nodded and said, Till, till. Then he laughed and said, I'll call you Tal. Excellent, said Tal. New friends well met. The creature took the sack and slung it over its shoulder. Then it picked at the crumbs on the front of its fur and popped them into his mouth. We'll have to hurry, it said. It will be light in a few hours, and they get an early start around here. We'll both be found if we don't leave soon. We? asked Billy. Of course, said the creature. I still need your help. I stand little chance of getting out of London alone. I will need your assistance and will reward you handsomely if you'll consent to help me. Billy squinted. Reward me how? he asked. With some of these, said Tall, extending his hand. Peering into the tiny hand, Billy saw three shiny stones. He took one, held it up, and gasped. It was a gem of some kind. Is, is this real? Yes, of course it's real. It's a diamond and very valuable. But I only have a few. If I give you these, will you help me? Billy started to object and then realized... He was about to haggle with a short-talking bear. He shook his head in disbelief and laughed to himself. Finally, he shrugged his shoulders and said, Yeah, sure. Why not? But first, you have to tell me what you are. Tal thought for a moment and then said, I am a traveler. My people live very far from here and we avoid humans whenever we can. Unfortunately, several of my companions and I encountered a group of men in Africa. They were hunters. The others got away, but I was trapped by a net and captured. Still, I consider myself lucky. For a while, I thought I was going to be eaten. The hunters sold me, and I was eventually brought here to this carnival. I've been in that cage, or others like it, for about four months, waiting for an opportunity to escape. Most of the time, I was on a sailing ship from Africa with no place to escape to. So... You're not a kid in a suit, or someone who's had a curse placed on them, asked Billy. No, answered Tall. I'm just a different creature, yet I'm much like you. I think, I talk, I travel, and I get myself into trouble sometimes. This story is to be continued in the next episode.